Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of the Lord, and in his Lord doth he meditate day and night. The word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. And we have the prophetic word made more sure by which we do well to pay attention to as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Dr. Mitchell continues our second study in the series of Why Study the Bible. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. We continue our little discussion on the question, why should we study the Bible? And you remember I said a few things about in our last lesson. Uh, I would like to add to the word which I said the other day. That was because it gives to us, and it's the only book that gives to us the revelation of God in his character, in his person, uh, in his heart toward men, revelation of his purposes and of his plans for the earth, for the nations, for Israel, and so on. And we found that the word of God was infallible. That is, we believe it's the infallible word of God. And that in the original languages, uh, the Spirit of God moved upon these men to write. Though he used their personality and gifts, he guided them in the very words they used. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that oftentimes the Word of God 
is often misinterpreted by its friends as well as by its foes. And I was just saying in closing, it's authoritative. That is, it's the word of God and speaks with authority. You know, there are three grounds for authority. There's the authority of tradition. There are those who believe that we should go according to tradition. And tradition has a place. And then there's the authority of reason. The question is raised, is it reasonable? And the third ground for authority is the word of God. Now, we do not throw away our reason, nor do we uh, ignore tradition. But it must stand the test of the word of God. After all, the final court of appeal is the word of God. Some people, for example, today are uh, thankful for and glorying in experiences, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to experiences, God forbid, if they're right experiences. But they must be judged in the light and examined in the light of the Word of God. Don't for one moment judge the Word of God in the light of your experience. Experiences are passing things. The Word of God is established forever. You know, if I may quote from uh, a liberal writer some time ago, and I quote, he said, At the Reformation, we rid ourselves of an infallible church. Now we must rid ourselves of an infallible book. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, when that critic and all the other critics are off the scene, the Bible is still going to be here. In fact, the Bible, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, whether you're a friend or foe, the Bible is the cornerstone upon which our Christian faith must rest. We cannot ignore it. We should not be ignorant concerning it. We should know it. I'm reminded of that verse spoken of by our Savior. I believe it's Matthew 22, verse 29 where Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, you do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Now, he didn't say this to some Galilean fisherman who had never gone to school. He didn't talk to some Gentile idolaters when he said that. He said this to the religious leaders of his day. And he said to them, these men who claim to be the servants of God, you do err not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. And sometimes, and I want to be charitable when I say this, that I'm sure there are men today who are pastors or teachers in schools of divinity who err because they know not the Scriptures, nor the power of God. I would like to remind you before I take up this next question, why should I, why should you study the Scriptures? Coming right back to the original verse, the original question, I'm going to say because it meets every spiritual need of man. It is the Word of God which He uses in the lives of people. Can I repeat this? Why should I spend time to study the Bible? because it meets every spiritual need that I have, 
every spiritual need you have. And although we may talk about methods of study or methods of teaching, etc., it's the Word of God which He uses, not so much your method, but He uses the Word of God. I'm reminded of that verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, about the fifth verse where Paul says, Our gospel came not to you in word only, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. I'm reminded, too, of the first psalm. You remember the first psalm is a prophetic psalm concerning the Lord. It's a messianic, what we call a messianic psalm. How does it start? Blessed is the man. And there are three things about that man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of the Lord. And in his Lord doth he meditate, in his word doth he meditate day and night. And if the Lord found time to do that with such a busy life that he had among men, there's no excuse for you or me in, in neglecting the word of God. Now, I, I know, I know you're busy. All of us are. Sometimes I think we're too busy. Sometimes we're even too busy in the service of the Lord. The danger to neglect the Word of God itself. Let me read from uh, the 19th Psalm. Do you remember the 19th Psalm has to do with the revelation of God? In the first, in the first six verses, you have the revelation of God in creation. And then in verses 7 on through, we have the revelation of God in His Word. Let me read it to you. The Word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, Yea, then much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. I need, I need read any more of that. It's enough, isn't it? The Word of God is what he's talking about. Although God in his Godhead is known through creation by his creative acts, it's when you come to the Word of God, you get right down to business with God Himself. And the Word of God is pure, it's clean, it opens the eyes, cleanses your life, keeps you from sin, and so on. Now, I would like to give you four or five things, maybe a few more, on this question of why we should study the Bible. May I just say, first of all, it's inexhaustible in all its truths. Inexhaustible. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's always new. It's always satisfies. Did you ever stop to think the different kinds of people 
from different cultures, with different backgrounds, all go to the Word of God, and each one is satisfied. The babe in Christ can read it and get blessed, and the ancient saint can read it and get blessed. You can take a telescopic vision of the Bible, or you can take a microscopic vision of the Bible. You can take a whole book and think through a book, or you might take one verse and, and pull it to pieces. Inexhaustible. I've been thinking and reading the Word of God for many years, and I'll tell you, my friend, honestly, I've barely scratched the surface of this amazing book. The danger is we leave it alone. The danger for you is the same thing. We get so busy, as I said a while ago. But let me tell you, my friend, the Bible is absolutely inexhaustible. If you were to study the Word of God every day for a hundred years, you still wouldn't be able to plumb the depths of the truth that God has given to us. So, Mr. Mitchell, I read it and get nothing out of it. No, that may be true. You see, God doesn't reveal his truth wholesale. Let me use an illustration I've used before. I'm quoting from John chapter 9. The man born blind, after his eyes were opened, they asked him a question. Who opened your eyes? He said, a man called Jesus. They persisted questioning him, and he said, he's a prophet. And then he met Jesus, and Jesus said, do you believe on the Son of God? He said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe? And he worshipped. You see, you grow in truth. And as I believe what I read, he opens up further vistas of truth. That's why Paul said to Timothy, give yourself to reading. Give yourself to reading. But I get tired, and I... And you skim the Bible. No, read it word for word. It's inexhaustible. Inexhaustible. You can never plumb the depths of this amazing book. Do you know why? Because it's God-breathed. And if you can plumb the depths of an almighty, sovereign, living God, you can plumb the depths of the Bible. It's his book. And it's pleased God to communicate it to you and to me in his written word. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful he did this? It's in a book form. You can sit down and read it. And God has preserved this book through the centuries in spite of all its enemies. I'm not worried about that. Sovereign God will take care of his own book and of his own revelation. If the Lord tarries a thousand years, the generation from now, a thousand years from now, will have the same revelation from God and there'll be people then who will be transformed by the Word of God. It's inexhaustible in all its truths. The second thing I want to say why I should study my Bible is because it presents the supreme character of Jesus Christ. You know, when I make that statement, can I repeat it? The Bible presents the supreme character of Jesus Christ. You know, no one could ever have dreamed up such a character. Read the four Gospels a number of times. In some way, just get right into that, into that book and read about your Savior. I guarantee many of you haven't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for a long time. You sit down, read a few verses, and next day you pick up another book and read some more verses. Why not read the book through? 
I remember talking to Campbell Morgan one time, G. Campbell Morgan, the Prince of Preachers, and I said, tell me how you study your Bible. And he said to me, Mitchell, he said, you wouldn't do it if I told you. Well, I said, you try me. He said, before I study a book, I'll read it through 40 or 50 times before I even start to study it. In other words, saturate your mind with the Word of God. The Spirit of God must have something to work on, and He's willing to lead you and guide you into all truth. You see, well, Mr. Mitchell, there's so much confusion today. One church says one thing and another church says something else, and I don't know which way to turn. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's an amazing what God does in spite of all of us. But nevertheless, you've got a Bible. You get down before the Lord and ask the Spirit of God to reveal it to you, and he'll do it. And especially do I want you to read those four Gospels and fall in love with Christ. Do you know, an infidel one time was questioning the value of the Bible, ridiculed it, ridiculed Christians, until one man said to him, did you ever sit down and read about Jesus Christ? I suggest you do before you criticize anymore. And when he got through reading the four Gospels, do you know what he said? If Jesus Christ is not God, then the man who wrote must have been God. See, Fred, no human mind could have conceived such a character. If you don't believe that, you read those four Gospels over and over and over again and let your heart, if you've got an open heart and an open mind, of course, if your heart is closed and your mind is closed to truth, nothing will happen. Spirit of God only deals with open hearts and open minds. But thank God, if you mean business, God means business too. Did you hear me? I'm talking to you, my friend. If you mean business with God, he means business with you. The trouble is we try to rationalize our unbelief. We try to find excuses not to believe the Bible. Not willing to sit down with an open mind before God and ask God to show you the truth. God will do it. I'm not afraid to challenge you on that. God will do it. I say again, no one could have conceived of such a character as Jesus Christ. And the third thing I want to say about it is, why should I study my Bible? Because it gives to me God's plan of redemption. It tells me how I can come into the presence of God. You know the Bible, the Bible tears the cover off the heart of man. When men write books, uh, they kind of ease up on the character of some of their, some of the personalities in their books, especially their heroes but not God. When he writes, he gives us all our failures and our frailties. And the book tells the truth. You take a camera and take a picture, and it shows you all the warts and wrinkles, and when you look at it, you say, boy, I don't like that picture. That makes me look too old. So you ask the photographer to kind of tone it down. So he takes out some of the spots and some of the wrinkles. In fact, I saw a picture of myself on a brochure the other day, and when I saw it, I said, this must be my son. I don't know where in the world they got the picture. But none of us like to say this as we really, really are. 
Even our high school kids have got to get them toned up a little wee bit. Cameras don't lie. The Bible doesn't lie either, my friend. And if you want a picture of your own heart as it appears before God, you read your Bible. And it not only gives the man a real picture of what we are in our sin, in our helplessness, in our hopelessness, but it also gives us his plan of redemption. You know, I like that verse where Paul exhorts his son Timothy in the faith, and I'm quoting from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, when he said, uh, Continue thou in the things that thou hast learned, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You remember about verse 14, 15, and goes into chapter 16. And may I just say this, the word of God is also given. His plan of redemption is so simple. John 3, 36 says, He that hath the Son of God hath life. He that hath not the Son of God shall not see life. Now, that's simple. As the Bible says, a man, the word of God is so simple, the plan of salvation is so simple that a man, though fool, can't err therein. You take, for example, and I'm going to give you two verses together in one chapter. I'm quoting from John chapter 8, and one could really quote from many chapters on this. John 8, 24 says, If you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. But in verse 51 of the same chapter, he says, If a man keep my saying, he'll never see death. Now, there's a contrast. If you believe not that I am he, you'll die in your sins. If a man keep my saying, he will never see death. That's why Peter said to the rulers of Israel, There is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's why Jesus said in John 10, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He could say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And the whole New Testament is full, telling sinners how they can come into right relationship with the living God. And it's through simple faith in Jesus Christ. That means that you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Now, you do that today and get into that Bible and read it and find out what the Bible has to say about you, about everybody else. And then, thank God, he's revealed there his precious word of salvation.
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.